Hello, I'm Brenna Bay, a partner with Edwin Co. Welcome to our podcast series about residential construction. In these podcasts, we discuss matters which arise on residential construction projects. Numerous of the topics discussed in these podcasts are also covered in our guide entitled What to Know Before You Start Digging a Hole, which can be found on our website. I would highlight that the information within these podcasts is general guidance only and may not necessarily apply to your particular situation, since every construction project is different. Therefore, I strongly recommend that you seek professional advice before you undertake any sort of construction project or sign any appointments or contracts. In our last podcast, we reviewed the standard payment process using a JCT intermediate building contract as an example. In the following podcasts, we will discuss defects, focusing first in this podcast on defects which appear following practical completion of the works, and then undertaking a more detailed look in future podcasts at exactly what is a defect, what should be done when there are defects in the works, and an employer's options if a contractor refuses to remedy defects. Before we delve into defects specifically, we need to briefly discuss retentions. A retention is a percentage of the amount certified as due to the contractor under each interim payment, which is retained by the employer. The purpose of a retention is to ensure that the contractor completes the works and remedies any defects. The industry standard amount of a retention is between 3 and 5%. Generally, the first half of the retention is released to the contractor at practical completion, and the second half released at the end of the defects rectification period which we will discuss further in a moment. It is important to note that the retention is money which has been certified as due to the contractor. Therefore, this is the contractor's money and must be released to the contractor in accordance with the provisions of the contract. Now, as discussed in podcast eight, the contract administrator is responsible for certifying when the works are practically completed. While generally there is no definition of practical completion in the various standard form contracts, practical completion is typically held to be when the works are complete, save for minor defects that do not interfere with the beneficial occupation and use of the property. Usually, any minor defects will be corrected either before practical completion or listed on the practical completion certificate and completed soon thereafter. Preferably, all identified defects would be remedied prior to practical completion. However, normally the contractor is keen to both prevent any liquidated damages and to get back the first half of its retention, and the employer is keen to take possession. Therefore, it is common for various items of snagging to be completed post-practical completion. Most standard form contracts do not indicate a time frame for the remediation of any defects notified at practical completion. Therefore, it is recommended that an amendment be included in the contract addressing timeframes for rectifications of any defects so that both parties are clear on their expectations and obligations in this regard. As for defects which appear after practical completion, most standard form contracts contain a rectification period or defects liability period, being a timeframe post-practical completion during which the contractor has an obligation to return to site and remedy such defective works without cost to the employer. Now, I often see contracts where the defects liability period is quite short, for example, only three months. 
This seems to be done on the basis that inclusion of a defects liability period in a contract is for the employer's benefit, and thus a shorter period is better for the contractor. While I can see the perceived benefit in relation to the release of the retention, it is in fact just as important for a contractor for there to be a contractual defects liability period of sufficient duration, since at common law, a contractor has no right to return to site to remedy defects. Rather, generally the employer can claim from the contractor the employer's costs for instructing a different contractor to remedy any defects, a situation which might in fact be more expensive to the contractor. Therefore, while a longer defects liability period might delay the release of the second half of the retention, there is nevertheless reasons for both the employer and the contractor to consider a longer defects liability period. By way of an example, for a newly built property, the industry standard is for the defects liability period to be at least 12 months. Since by its very nature, construction involves designing and building a bespoke product, it is likely that some defects will occur. There are, however, various strategies which can be used to help minimize defects, and more importantly, any disputes in relation to defects. First, provision by the employer of a precise and detailed specification, which includes standards that must be met, is critical to avoid disagreement as to what is expected. Additionally, any requirements which are of such critical importance that the contract administrator should not certify practical completion before such items are met should be included within the contract, likely through a schedule of amendments, since the contract administrator's authority is derived from the contract's provisions. Early identification of defects during the undertaking of the works will benefit all parties since the cost for remediation of defects will be lower during the course of the works than post-practical completion. Therefore, while it might seemingly add cost, more frequent monitoring on-site can actually save costs down the line. Finally, although there is no contractual right or obligation on a contractor to remedy defects after the end of the defects liability period, both parties should consider this option as more time than not, it proves to be less costly than dispute resolution. So in this podcast, we've briefly discussed retentions, talked about dealing with defects both at practical completion and during the defects liability period, and reviewed some practical tips for seeking to limit defects, or more precisely, any disputes over defects. Given the nature of construction, defects are inevitable. Yet, If considered from the outset of the project and addressed throughout the duration of the works, defects do not have to result in dispute. Rather, defects can be effectively managed through the contract's provisions and, more importantly, good communication between the parties through the entire life cycle of the project. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and will join us again next time.